Welcome to Copper Couriers The Conduit, your connection to what's happening in Arizona. I'm your host Cameron Stevenson, and today we're looking at how a visitor from Tucson brought the coronavirus to a remote town in northeastern Arizona, what this week's relaxation of dining rules means for local restaurants, and a deeper dive into how the coronavirus has spread through the state. Restaurants in Arizona have been given the green light to reopen dine-in services today, as Governor Doug Ducey's plan to slowly relax social distancing orders amid the coronavirus pandemic continue to roll out. From large chains to local mom and pop shops, restaurants were preparing to host people for the first time in nearly two months, but at limited capacity. Restaurants will have to abide by restrictions, including social distancing between tables and not serving parties larger than 10. Uh, The governor made the decision to reopen after citing a downward trend in COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations, uh, although that data is in dispute by local researchers. Even though some restaurants are opening up, a good number have posted on social media that they will remain closed until the governor's stay-at-home order expires on Friday, Uh, and some are even waiting longer than that. In fact, more than 100 different restaurants and coffee shops have grouped together and signed a pledge not to reopen until they feel like it's safe for them and their staff. The website TooSoonArizona.com has been created as a place for these restaurant owners to add their name, uh, calling for Governor Doug Ducey to continue social distancing regulations until the data supports reopening. But despite a lot of business owners' apprehension, Ducey said that he's been working with other businesses and facilities like gyms, swimming pools, and uh, movie theaters to continue his slow rollout. As far as we know, the next big date is for movie theaters to reopen, and that's going to be on July 15th. Now, more than $6 billion was promised to help tribes deal with the impact of the coronavirus, but even after President Trump's promise to deliver aid last week, tribes are still hurting severely due to lack of resources. Doctors have been able to trace the largest spread of the coronavirus in the Navajo Nation back to early March. They say that the virus first hit the nation in the town of Chilchambedo when a visitor from Tucson spent a day at a local church up there, uh, this is in northern northeastern Arizona, at the Church of the Nazarene to watch a basketball tournament. The Navajo Nation now has some of the highest infection rates in the country. More than 3,000 cases have been found on the reservation, with more than 100 deaths. Uh, this is a huge loss in a community of less than 200,000. It's, it's about the size of Surprise, Arizona. But when the basketball tournament took place, state and tribal leaders had no idea what havoc could be brought on by this latest strain of the coronavirus. To get a better idea of the situation we're in and how it's unfolded, uh, reporter Jamie Landers introduced us to University of Arizona microbiologist Charles Gerba, who has worked in the field through multiple strains of the coronavirus. Now, after working in microbiology for more than five decades, Dr. Gerber says outbreaks are always something to be expected. You know, like a lot of the people in public health have said, uh, something like coronavirus to us was not uh, if, it's always been when. Microorganisms continually evolve all the time and what we're seeing is them jumping from one animal species to another. Let's just run through why you think the spread is continuing here and why it was so big early on in places like Italy. Of course, Italians make the mistake of kissing each other on the cheek. Uh, That probably was not the thing to do. And as a reminder, Let's just talk about real quick how this disease can spread. 
Coronavirus believed to spread mainly by sneezing and coughing, uh, and then uh, getting to your nose in some way, either inhaling it or it contaminates surfaces, either with respiratory secretions or feces, potentially, because it is excreted in the feces in that. And then you touch a surface, you get it on your fingers, and you bring your fingers to your mouth, nose, or eyes. Okay. Uh, and, and I know for me, whenever I'm told not to do something, I realize how much I do it. I feel like I'm almost constantly stopping myself from touching my face. Uh, now, is that common for everyone? Is it is it pretty often that everyone? Average adult does that about 15 to 24 times per hour, basically every two or three minutes. So it sounds like across the board, that's going to be something really hard to stop, even if you're constantly on watch and, and thinking about it. Uh, now, we know a bunch of different groups are working on vaccines for COVID-19. Uh, is that something we look forward to having in the near future? We can't develop vaccines right away. We're at least a year away from a vaccine. So we have to have other tools available to us. And that's one of the things we work on. We need more weapons in germ warfare today. Okay. All right. So we've got a while uh, until that comes through. Now, is this a normal timeline? Uh, like, have you seen this change? Did it take longer in past years? Is this fast? Uh, what's what, What's the comparison like? One of the concerns uh, that we have is a lot of the, the technology or, or the, the tests for evaluating new disinfectants comes from tests that were set up more than 50 years ago. And there's been a lot of innovation in disinfection technology, such as uh, continuously disinfecting surfaces, which uh, we're interested in. The strategy is simple. I'm sure you've heard it over and over again already. Wash your hands, keep your fingers working your face, use hand sanitizers and disinfectant wipes. We know those things work. They're proven. We don't have any doubts that they're going to be effective. All right. Uh, we want to say thanks to Dr. Gerba and also Jamie Landers for getting us this look at where we started and where we're headed. For The Conduit, I'm Cameron Stevenson.